So greetings, ladies and gentlemen. This is a special TCP podcast with Mr. Gunner Wright. If you don't know who he is, he is the voice actor of Isaac Clark in Death Space 2 and 3. Mr. Gunner, could you introduce yourself, please? Hi, guys. Uh, thanks so much for supporting the Dead Space franchise. Yeah, I uh, um, got a chance to um, star in uh, the Dead Space franchise and, uh, and not only do the voiceover, but the motion capture and uh, we had a really great time doing it. It was a lot of fun and uh, just great people. And I'm going to have my other co-hosts introduce themselves. So, Mr. Devil Hunter James, could you introduce yourself, please? Uh, Devil Hunter James here, and how's it going, Gunner? Uh, it's going great. Where Where are you guys? Are you, you guys are back east, right? Um. Well, we live in different locations. I think. Well, most of us live in the East Coast, and Brandon lives in Texas. Oh, yeah. fantastic. Yep. But I'm going to have Mr. Brandon introduce himself. So go ahead, good sir. Hello, everybody. I'm glad to finally meet Isaac Clark himself, and this is going to be great. The Necromorph Stomper, yes. <laughs> well, you do what you, you do. What you got to do, guys. Whether it's a plasma cutter or uh, you know uh, uh, an engineer boot, you, you, you take them out. However, you have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. So next we have Mr. Ghoul World Order. Can you introduce yourself, good sir? I am Google World Order, and I hope you have a fantastic day, Gunner. Thanks, guys. All right, and I am Renegade Operative, so we're going to jump right in. Uh, this question is not on the document, but I think is very relevant to this conversation. So, Mr. Gunner, how do you personally feel about the Dead Space franchise in total? You know, I think it's so rich. Uh, as an actor, whether it's a video game, a movie, you know... Uh, any IP, you're wanting a world to be able to, to, to play in. And as much as I like, you know, to play the cop, to play the doctor in, in our world, to, to be able to be transported into um, uh, um, the, the, the world of Dead Space was so great. Even going back to reading the book, I don't know if any of the fans out there got a chance to read the book Martyr, which is almost like the prequel to the whole franchise uh, and kind of where the marker first is found. Um, I was just blown away. I just thought it was such a great world that, uh, that they had built. And, and there's, there's so many other levels and, and areas where they can go. But uh, at the end of the day, you've got this expansive world, this very sci-fi, this, you know, not just the, 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 the Ishimura ship, but when you get into dead space three and you really start to see the world that uh, EA visceral was, was trying to create. And, uh, and I thought they nailed. At the same time, Isaac's not a superhero. He's just an engineer. He's a, he's a regular guy thrusted into extreme circumstances. And I just love that. I love that aspect. He's not a wimp, but he's not that sp kind of cliched special forces kind of guy that's, you know, going to jump in to save the day. He's just trying to survive. And he's got his own issues. And he's not perfect. But he's also not going to cower and back down and just let, let himself be taken over so i like that interesting so and, and i like how you mentioned the prequel too because i never got my chance to read this book in particular so i might check into that after this podcast i gotta be honest with you you know I, it's 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 not even it's such a good standalone book uh, or just story on its own that if anybody's out there who's played dead space one two and three and even seen some of the the like the, the cartoon and some of the other things that bridge uh, times between the two games or the three games. It, do yourself a favor, grab Martyr. It's such a great book, and it really does kind of show where all of it started, and even how the Ishimura came to be. It's just awesome, awesome. And then as you play the the three games, it makes the storyline even that much more of a thread. Versus, ah, they're just going to make another game and, you know, and, and they're going to try to figure out how to make the story. They had that pretty much designed and set up from the very, from the very beginning. So we're going to jump right into more of the document here. So I'm going to have Mr. Devil Hunter James read off the first question in the document. All right. Cool. Uh, to break off the ice, let's start with your experience being a voice actor. And what personal tips would you give to viewers who want to get into it? Well, it's a good question, and it, and it changes daily. Um, I can tell you right now, the, 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 the start of it is just uh, your passion. If you've got a passion for it and you love uh, voiceover 
Um, there's, there's so much great talent out there for me. Dead space was my first real first opportunity into that video game world. Um, my first audition with the dead space storyline, I didn't even know what it was to be honest with you. It was very hush hush. And, um, there was a few, uh, aspects of the story for Isaac Clark, but there wasn't a lot to go off of. And then after I booked it, it wasn't even just the voiceover that was going to take place. It was the motion capture, which, which I was even more blown away uh, because it's such another aspect of acting. It's a different technical skill altogether. And, uh, and that was really kind of death by fire or trial by fire. It was like my first time uh, doing all of it. So by the time we got to the second game uh, to dead space three and, you know, you, you spend such a long time, I think we started to shoot uh, dead space two, I think in 2010, and then uh, I was, before I talked to you guys, I was looking at some images and some old stuff that I found. And I think I have an image of Dead Space 3. And I want to say it was like 2013 or 2014. So you can kind of see the difference uh, in time span to go from one game to the next, especially at those budgets and those sizes. Um, but for anybody out there who wants to get into voiceover, it's so easy now in the sense that you don't have to be in L.A. necessarily or New York or San Francisco um, and you can do a reel with a, a lav mic and garage band on an iPad, um, and get it out there. So there's a lot of avenues and a lot of ways to do it, but there, there are specialized voiceover agencies that, uh, that that's their focus. That's what they do is get their actors out there to audition for video games, commercials, animated films, and stuff like that. So. I want to I want to segue into a question actually. Um, how did you get into voice acting originally? You know, um, I, I would say probably just let's say doing a commercial, and then that commercial uh, buttoning on that commercial would be some voiceover audio stuff, like let's say a, a Cadillac campaign or something like that, where you've shot the commercial, and now sometimes you're here on the radio or or now with streaming. Uh, it's almost like a version of that commercial, but it's just audio. So I was doing some of those things and, um, I had shot a a film called love playing an astronaut and we got some acclaim and, 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 uh, and started to travel a lot for that film. And then with GI Joe and the losers, I got a little more recognized, uh, recognition and some other things were happening to where, um, when I went to do dead space two, or when I went to audition for it, it wasn't like hey, come in to this vocal booth and lay down your audition vocally. It was a straight-up performance audition as if you were going to do any standard audition, whether it's for a film or for, let's say, Arrow or for uh, any, any TV show. So I got the sides for Isaac Clark, but it wasn't like a typical voiceover audition would be, yeah, you go into a vocal booth uh, and you lay down three takes or... Uh, you would do it at your house, let's say, for some VO auditions. Like, uh, yeah, self self record, you know, these lines, and then send them to your agent, and have your agent send them to casting. With uh, with Dead Space Two, it was I went in, I did the the physical audition with someone who was reading Ellie, and uh, you know, EA and Visceral, the directors and producers were in the room. So when I booked it. I already knew that it was a lot more. They wanted to see a move. They wanted to see you work as an actor because you were going to be doing the motion capture, not just someone who was going to record the voice. So we heard a lot about mocap in the video game industry. How did it feel like being on stage, being physical to some of the stuff going on and acting out scenes in these rubber suits and all this stuff? It was so great. I got to be honest with you. It is the coolest way to act because um yeah it's very technical so yeah you have the volume what they call the volume that's the area where you're tracked by the markers literally the markers um but at the same time yeah you're in these suits they've they've got the 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 markers on the suit you're doing these really weird um at the at the slate the front end of when you start to record you have to do these kind of t poses which is basically setting the the computers and cameras in motion You'll do the scene. It's me and Ellie, and you know we're we're fighting these necromorphs. And then when the director would say cut, you'd have to immediately stop, get back into what they call a T pose, 
to again set and lock the cameras, lock the recording, and then they would stop uh, stop taping. So there was this aspect of very uh, of, of technical things in in in. Uh, in the middle of you trying to act and emote and, and do a really good performance, but knowing that, hey, no matter how good of a job you do, if those computers aren't picking up or reading your work, then it's, it's all for naught. And it's super expensive, you know, to, uh, you know, I know that, that uh, people are a lot of times like to hate on these big, big companies, but what they don't realize is that, I mean, it's it's way more expensive to do motion capture than just to go into a vocal booth and record actors doing voiceover. It's it, because of the computers and the technology and what's needed to capture all of those dots and all of those articulations to where as an actor, you're like, OK, well, look, I'm going to go. I'm going to pretend let's say a necromorphs over here or the ship's going here. And they're like, no, 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 you can't just you can't just have abstract movement because it's so specific to be able to be able to translate that in game or in the computer system, even with CGI, like your big Marvel movies. Sometimes you can do something and you think it feels natural because it does. But then by the time it translates through the computers to the recording, it's not going to work. Uh, an elbow is going to be in a, in, a, in a weird spot or it's, they're not going to be able to manipulate that. Um, at least more so back when we first started to do Dead Space 2. I think the technology already has changed so much over the last five years. But there was a, an instant technicality that you had to pick up quickly because time was money. And you didn't have a lot of time to just play in the volume with the, the dialogue. It's like, okay, look, here's the dialogue. Here's what's going on. Here's where we need you to move and how we need you to act out this scene so we can use that and manipulate those movements in the computer system as we start building the game. All right. That was some great insight. So we're going to move on to question number two. So Mr. Gore World Order, could you read that off, please? How long have you been doing voice acting work? Well, probably since... For for the, for the most part since Dead Space Two, so uh, again that would have been I think auditioned for that uh, in late two thousand and eight. But uh, what I what was really interesting was I auditioned for Dead Space Two, and then I went to EA Visceral and they rotoscoped me. They they did these camera movements to be able to build Isaac Clark, uh, look have my likeness but build him in the computer, but then like nine months go by and I don't hear anything. And I'm thinking, well, shoot, maybe, <laughs> maybe they recast this thing or something. Cause you know, I, I just was normally when you book an audition, let's say, uh, we all book, uh, the next Marvel movie. There's a, you know, they're either going to tell you, okay, you've got six months to prep and then we're going to shoot or you book it and you're working in two weeks. I booked dead space and it took them so long to be able to do the, the, the work in the computer before we could even get ready to shoot those scenes that I just thought because it took so long, I thought, well, maybe they recast it or there was a delay or they're not going to do the game or something. And then I literally get the call and they're like, okay, all right, we're good. We're ready. And that was it. And, and we started to rock and roll from there. And it was a, it was a long process because again, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of time. They're trying to Keep the story, keep with the story and make the story rich, which we all know, you know, Dead Space 2 is one of the better stories. And yet you're also trying to have this amazing game experience for the gamer. So uh, it, it took a while to do. And and, um, and really, I haven't done any more uh, video game voiceover work since, um, which I'd love to do more. But at the same time, I really like the fact that the only work that I've done is uh, is Isaac, because I've. I feel like I, at this point, I feel like I am Isaac Clark. You know, uh, I know the guy, put it that way. Well, you certainly have his face. I mean, everyone <laughs> knows this. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I actually have an interesting question for you, just knowing that you didn't do uh, any other work after that. Is there a video game franchise or series that had a certain character that you saw that you wanted to play that role, but you didn't get the chance to do so? You know, that's a good question. I would probably say more so if I had auditioned for a role, 
that's that's usually the question that most actors, even the the Harrison Fords, the 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 Kurt Russells, the you know the the icons, the Al Pacino's, they look back on their career and go, gosh, you know, I wish I would have done this, or I wish I would have said yes uh, to this movie or this role. You know, for me, I feel like any game that I that I've played, um, those characters that they cast them to do, uh, the the actors they cast them to play those characters just do a great job. It's like you believe it and you're you're immersed into it. And I, I hope that if I was able to contribute to anything that, you know, I did that for Isaac Clark and, and did that for that universe. Next, we're going to move on to the next question, which is number four. So, Mr. Brandon, can you read that off, please? Actually, I have a personal question I want to ask you. Go, go ahead. Um, have you played the spin-off Dead Space Games by any chance? What what's that question? Are you talking about like the, was it the DLCs? What's the no question? um the actual spinoff games that were released by some point after one of the main games like Extinction and um Ignition I think it's called. You know I didn't per se uh, it, which is which is a great question thank you. Uh, I never played the first game all the way through. Uh, I never played uh, the second game all the way through. It wasn't until Dead Space three that I actually played with a director friend of mine here in Hollywood, the whole game. And the funny thing is, is that I played Carver and my director friend played Isaac. I let him play me, you know, and we're doing a multiplayer and we played, you know, whenever he was not on set or we played the game and it was so great to play it with a friend and actually live this world that I worked in. And yet here I am playing a different character and not Isaac. And he got a chance to experience me. But uh, those other, those other ancillary games, I, I never played them except for the the uh, the app that came through, like on the iPhone. I played a little bit of that game, which was cool. But we would see it like during filming. A lot of times they would bring that stuff in, and we would kind of play around with it on set. But uh, actually, out of all of it, the only game that I've actually played all the way through, from start to finish, was Dead Space Three. Awesome. I actually have a personal question. So, uh, did you know in Dead Space One that Isaac did not talk at all? I did, and that was a big, that was a big gamble on uh, on on EA Visceral's part because they had this silent protagonist. But in the early stages of uh, of talking about going forward, the future of the of the franchise, they felt like you know to give him a voice, to give him an emotion, is only going to enrich the, the the gamer's experience. You know, if you've got let's just say, imagine uh, four movies of a major lead and he never talks <laughs> you know you're what's he you can only go okay what's he thinking so many times before you just don't care so it's a fine line because i gotta be honest with you i come from two schools of thought you've got let's say i i love steve mcqueen who was a a major um actor influence for me and he was a master of doing things with no dialogue matter of fact he would be notorious for like you know what um, I, I don't want to say this. I know it's in the script, but he, my character wouldn't say this. So I think I can do it with a look or we can give it something else that's way more powerful than just saying the words. And then Paul Newman, who was another mentor friend of my uh, friend, but mentor of mine as an actor and icon, he was genius with, you could give him a cereal box and he'd make it sound great. He was almost the opposite where he could take a ton of dialogue and just make it work. So there's that fine line of okay, you got a you got a major protagonist who's now silent or he's silent. How do you incorporate his emotion and his dialogue without it just being too much? And you, you know, again, you're 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 a participant in a game. You're not just someone who's clicking on and watching a movie. So that was a fine line, but uh, you know, I thought that especially with Dead Space Two, we 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 gave that breath, we gave him a voice, and it uh, and it translated well for the gamer. So we have question number five here. Mr. Brandon Williams, could you read that off, please? Yes, I can. If you were offered a chance to work, work on Isaac again, would you take it? Uh, today, let's roll. <laughs> let's roll camera. He's I'm ready, ready to people. go. <laughs> no, His I, body is ready. I, 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 uh, I would be honored because, uh, you know, for me, as a kid growing up, it was – science fiction it was comic books those were the things that took a, a kid in a small town uh out of that small town and i and i still love 
I love that type of work. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's the ultimate creativity. You know, you, 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 you get transported, you get teleported into either another time or another place. And, um, you know, with a dead space franchise, my whole goal all along was hopefully to be able to see it live as a film and get a chance to play Isaac Clark, uh, live action, whether that happens or not, you know, that's, that's, there's so many factors nowadays that make that uh, that make that call. But uh, I love the material so much. I felt like the right director taking this huge world that they've built on a on a very large scale, much larger than actually a lot of the gamers might know, just because there's only so much you can do, uh, you know, uh, production wise. But someone who could take that and craft it and 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 develop a script and be able to shoot that. You know, out of all the video games that are coming out, uh, live action film, which I'm excited about, I'm excited for, uh, I think done right, very almost like Ridley Scott alien uh, to showcase that sci-fi, ethereal, scary world of at least the first two games to start off with uh, would be a nail biter. It'd be, it'd be really great. So that was always my hidden you know, hope was that, hey, we can kick ass, we can do some really great games. And then at some point, spin that off and and go for a film. I actually have a good side question. What do you think about certain influences on Dead Space like Alien and Event Horizon? Oh, it's unavoidable. And it's also, uh, you know, a championship move when you started to sit down and talk to the designers and the producers and guys like Ian Millam and and, uh, Kate and Chuck and everyone who had a creative say, you know, that's, that's the beauty of, you know, people think, oh, it's exploitation, it's stealing, it's thievery, but you know what? It's art. And we're all moved by things that we almost take a, a mental image of something that we liked and, and, and use something that we can, we can, um, you know, it's a, it's a spaceship, it's a feeling, it's a, it's a world that we were really attracted to. It's a, a lighting cue. It's something that, wow. And that in Blade Runner, how about that one scene where Harrison Ford's sitting down and that it's like you start taking those things and you can't help but pepper them into your, your art, whether it's from a filmmaker to a filmmaker or an actor kind of stealing a little thing that this one particular actor does. So, you know, I think that to, to long winded answer your question, you know, I think you can't help, but take your influences and spray them into your, into the work that you do. Yeah, because I noticed a lot of uh, what's in Event Horizon is in Dead Space, especially with the whole um, everyone is sort of in this alternate reality and they're they're seeing stuff. So I thought that was a pretty cool idea in uh, comparison to the marker because it was giving Isaac these weird visions and it was messing with his head and a lot of people thought he was crazy. So I liked how you portrayed that too, like... He thought that he was sane around so many people and so many people around him were even more dangerous. So that was some great betrayal there. Oh, thanks. No, I appreciate that. You know, and it's really rich because you start playing with, okay, well, is he crazy? Does he think he's crazy? Is he afraid to let people know what his issues are because they're going to think he's nuts or do they actually see the same thing? So you have all this great depth to play with. Um, but it was much more than just that's what actors love because that's the that's the bite you know that's the that's the meat and potatoes on the plate of being able to take a character and go oh I can really do something with this but then you've got the artistic element you know what's the what's the canvas you know obviously with this sci-fi world you still have to kind of have to root it in realism which I love Ridley Scott's sci-fi and a lot of that world where it doesn't take it too fantastical. You just happen to be on a ship, but you could also be in a sub or you could be, you know, on a aircraft carrier and shit's going crazy. So to be able to take an extremely crazy world or totally futuristic world, but almost ground it like you could go on the wrong side of the tracks in LA and feel that way, that's pretty powerful because that's what the audience or the gamer can relate to. No one knows what it's like to be in zero G, but everyone knows what it's like to be scared shitless. <laughs> and that's something that you can translate, you know, into the the style of of the content. 
Yeah, and that's all. I think that's also a perfect analogy of horror as well. It's like uh, everyone hasn't been there in that situation, but we all know what it's like to either fear someone or fear the unknown, which is what the creatures are for in Dead Space. So I really like that analogy. So next up, we have Mr. Devil Hunter James. Could you read off question number six, please? Sure. Are you still actively seeking any voiceover roles as an actor right now? Oh yeah, I mean, you know, as an actor, you you've got your you've got your 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 long game, your long goals of, of what you'd love to do, uh, whether that be TV and film. But it's all great, and it all feeds itself. Voiceover great voiceover work is great money. It's uh, it's a great way to play. It's a lot like voiceover work to me is a lot like playing an instrument, because they're not going to see you. You can't physically move to to make a change for the camera for the audience but you'll get let's say i do a line and you you guys are the production and you're like okay that was great matter of fact go ahead and say it again but give us three takes and just mix it up a little bit and then obviously it gives you guys in the edit an option you can you can cut it up you can take little bits and pieces uh, and make it what you want to give yourself that option and post so what it does is it just kind of if, you, if your voice is an instrument, like a guitar or a keyboard, you know, vocally, then it just helps you tune it up so that when you are on set for real and you're moving, you're playing a cop, you're playing an astronaut, whatever you're playing, and yet you're delivering dialogue, you, you're kind of tuned up to, to give it a little bit of a different take every now and then. Or, you know, if the director is asking you, which is very common, hey, that was great. Okay, we've got that one. Now let's switch it up and, um, you know, go big or, uh, you know what, this is going to be a tight shot. Go a little more small, be a little more intimate with this scene because we don't want it too big. You're like, okay, good note. I got it. And you're just tuned up. And a lot of that comes from, for me personally, comes from doing that voiceover work. Uh, just because again, you, you're, you're so tuned up, uh, your ear is so tuned to being able to make those vocal changes. Okay, so we have question number seven. Did you meet any other voice actors and do you appreciate any currently so far in the industry? Boy, you know, I, that's a good question. Uh, I, I've met a few. I, I don't know their names off the top of my head. They're not like, you know, like, oh yeah, there's Pacino. But I've, especially with Dead Space 3, um, I, I got a chance to work with some, I mean, some really great talent that probably in the gaming world they're not just gaming actors and voiceover actors. They, they do a lot, but um, they're just amazing. And uh, one of them, um, my computer shut off. I was trying to find, you guys would know his name. Um, typical having issues with my computer. But um, I have, I mean, I've just been more impressed, especially when you're in a vocal booth and you're, you're listening because, you, you know, you're, they might be right beside you, but you're you're staring down at your your script and you're focusing audio-wise to be able to deliver. But you can hear them in your headphones, and you can't see them, but they're like, "Oh my God, that sounds so good!" It's like, I believe it, you know. Um, and when you hear that, because it's so sensitive, you know, you're not you're not being able to look at them, so you can't really feel or see that, but you hear it, and it's so powerful that you're like, "Yeah, I I buy it. This is a good take." And, uh, you know, we would, we would do that a lot, like Ricardo and I, Ricardo who played Carver or Sunita who played Ellie. Um, you just knew when you had a good take. You felt it. It was powerful. And, um, you know, I, I think that that's just so gratifying as an actor. So, Mr. Konecki, I want you to read off on number eight, please. Yes, I can, sir. Number eight. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been to any conventions to meet the fans or do you have any big plans to go to one? You know, I uh, I got a chance to do. I was at Comic Con the year that uh, GI Joe: uh, Rise of the Cobra came out, and then I went uh, a few different times down to Comic Con for EA Visceral with Dead Space. We did a panel, uh, did some autograph signings, and and it was great. I love it. I I, I champion it because it's such a great environment to be able to uh, enjoy the franchise. Your fans are right there. They're championing it. They're excited about it. You, you get a chance to maybe throw out a few things that uh, the public doesn't know yet. And, um, you know, it's just such a, a fun time to, to share that. So 
yeah, I, I think any if any actor's listening and, and, and they've got an opportunity to do something where, you know, Comic-Con is going to be a, a vehicle or it's going to uh, you're going to be able to go do that. Do it. It's great. All right. So we have question number nine here. So, Mr. Brendan, can you read that off? Please? Yes, I can. Are you a fan of film and have you um, has it influenced any of your voice acting in general? Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah, you you can't you can't separate the two because uh, a good take. I mean, if if you were to, I mean, perfect example. Take your favorite film, whether it's someone like Tom Hardy or Michael Fassbender or Marlon Brando. Take your favorite performance, close your eyes, and just listen to the audio, and you you buy it, whatever that is, whether it's comedy or whether it's drama, you know. And um, I, I think that's where it starts. Uh, hands down is is in the performance whether it's a theater piece whether it's a, a major motion picture or, or whether it's a voiceover for a video game <laughs> so we're on number that 10 that? now yeah uh what are some of the typical mistakes that you can make regarding voice acting well i, I guess the biggest i mean that's a good that's a great question because really if you've got you know, if you've got a if you got to say something like um, stop or I'll shoot, they're giving you the time to play around with it. You know that you, you want to have options. You want to give them options and inflections and being louder and softer and stuff like that. So maybe the biggest mistake would be just trying to do the same performance over and over again for fear of screwing up. That's the best thing about voiceover, especially when you're in a vocal booth is. Just like, yeah, it's like playing an instrument. It's like, hey, go loud, go go hard, go angry. If they're giving you the space and the freedom to play around with it, as long as you know the context. Like if you're in a, if you're in, on Ishimura and you've got creatures coming and they can hear you, well, obviously you don't want to be yelling. So you got to know the context of the story. But at the same time, you know, play, have fun, make a mistake. I, I, that's, that is a, that's a cliche, but it's so true. Dare to make mistakes and screw up because out of that, sometimes there's those magical moments where someone who's in the edit or the director's like, hey, I like that. I want to keep it. So be free to to explore and to play and let them give you the notes. They'll tell you to back it down or, ah, you know what? No, just stick it with stick with doing this. And you're like, oh, OK, all right. Yeah, but it, it frees you up, it loosens you up to, uh, to 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 find your voice. And I thought it was so funny that a lot of people who decide to play around in the voice actor booth and everything, uh, when they kept mistakes in there, a lot of people during the pre-production phase, um, they saw those mistakes and it's like, yeah, I was, I was kind of playing around. I didn't mean for this to intentionally happen, but the unintentional things are where the good moments happen. I think that that is very important. So I wanted to segue into something that sort of relates to this, and that is the fact that um, ad-libbing. So was there any moment where you sort of wanted to add something to Isaac or you wanted to give to the character and the director just gave you the liberty to do so? For sure. But that comes with trust. Hmm. I'll be the first one to say that, look, it's very expensive. And you got to imagine, you know, if you're uh you're Chris Evans and you're playing Captain America. There's some, there's a, there's a, there's a, a trust and a command of respect of he's good at what he does. Production's good at what they do, you know, let's, but the writing is very, very good. So let's stick to the script, but you know, eventually you start knowing that character so well, there's such a trust that they're like, all right, let's play a little bit. That's with any project and dead space was that whole franchise was no different. It's a lot of money. There's a lot of pressure. They're a big company. And to go in there, and they've got great writers that are constantly having to rewrite because it's not just writing, but they're like, well, but technically, if we wrote this scene, it would be this much more money to make it work. So unfortunately, we need to save that money for the big ending. So let's make this scene a little smaller, more intimate. It'll be easier to shoot to where you're getting that type of a change and to do them a disservice by ah, I don't like this dialogue or yeah I'm gonna go ahead and say it this way that's just unprofessional it's like look start off with the script obviously if there's a word that you need to play around with or craft that that's because sometimes 
what you write and what you say, it just it doesn't feel the same, right? So, so that that's something that you definitely want to bring up in the rehearsal or even as you're take, doing the take. It's like, ah, you know, I, don't, I wouldn't say it this way, and it, I don't think Isaac would say it this way. But you want to start off with the script and then get those good takes, even if you don't like it, get them in the can so they've got them, because that's you know, unless you're a producer, you're walking away and they're having to live with it. But then even if you, you crush it, you're like, hey, guys, I know we got those in the can. You've got those for the edit. Let me give you a couple takes of my own just to see if you like it. And you, uh, I don't know anybody who, if they have the time, that would say, nah, we don't want your creativity or nah, we don't want you to, to, to give us your take, especially when there's that trust and there's that, that communication every time. I've done that. They're like, yeah, go ahead. Let's, let's roll. Let's roll. Give, give them a couple takes. And then something new might happen. They're like, whoa, we really like that. Hey, um, do that again. And then they give you a note. And now you're on a whole new trajectory of discovering something that was maybe even better than the original stuff that they got. But to go in, just to give my two cents, to go in as if you're going to start already changing dialogue or throwing out improv and stuff like that, Unless there's a comfort level that you feel, I, I don't recommend it. Yeah, I've heard uh, I've heard like stories of this before in acting where uh, a lot of actors and directors have a lot of dispute over differences of what they think is right or what the actor thinks is right. But you know, the actor they're just part of the show. They're just basically there. Uh, the supplement what they can for the director's vision. So I do agree that it's a level of trust that needs to be had. Um, it sounds like a giant add-on, if anything, because if you're ad-libbing and the director likes it, it seems like you're adding something totally new to the story and the character itself, uh, which is always good. It, it makes your work shine more through that character than anything else. That's on the contingent that you're a good actor and your improv is good. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, there and I'm not, and I'm not being rude, but I'm, I'm, I mean, there's a, there's a point where it becomes self-indulgent because let's say one actor on set is very good at improv and they're so tuned to their character that the improv and the performance that they're giving that's off script is so dynamic that it does enrich the character. But if you got an actor who's kind of in their mind going, well, I, I can compete with that. And they're not serving the script and serving the story and they're serving themselves nine times out of 10, it's falling flat because it's selfish. They're trying to, well, I can, it's, it's like, oh, I can, I can go that fast. I can, I can kick it up a gear. And it's not the point. You're not, you're not trying to compete at that level. You're just trying to serve the story. And if you do something that's going to serve the story and serve the character and the producers care about it, they're going to take note because obviously you're make you're, you're enriching, you're enriching uh, the performance and, and ultimately the experience. Exactly. So, Mr. Devil Hunter James, could you take number 11, please? Uh, sure. What's the hardest role you've ever played, and how or why? Man, that's a good question. I, um, probably, when I played uh, Captain Lee Miller in the independent film Love, where I'm an astronaut left on the space station, it was probably more the technical aspect. We didn't have a lot of money at the time. The director, who's now William Eubank, is incredible. He's getting ready to kick some serious ass in Hollywood. But he built the space station uh, on his parents' property because all the money was gutted. And it was just the technical aspect of pretending that you're hundreds of miles away from Earth, and yet you're on a farm with cattle and donkeys <laughs> and sheep. And you're, uh, you know, you're, you're an astronaut on the ISS space station and there's bugs inside and it's 100 degrees during the day and it's 40 degrees at night. But it was also, we laugh now because he's on to amazing things and it's been a long time since we shot that film. And yet it was probably one of the best experiences I've had at the same time just because it was just so magical. There was, there was no pressure. There was no, um, there was no rush to not be able to explore, which we did. Um, and you kind of go through those technicalities and, and you go through the issues of, uh, of, uh, okay guys, it's, uh, there's no, there's no crickets in space. And yet we've got crickets behind the, behind the, uh, the audio booth. Can someone go, to, go out there and start stomping your feet to shut them up so we can grab this dialogue? 
you know, and what's funny about that is that that was literally a straight up independent film with Tom DeLonge from Blink-182 and Angels and Airways helping us fund it because it was kind of his idea. But at the same time, that doesn't change. You know, you're on soundstage in North Hollywood for a major, major film and you got planes flying over the soundstage and it's like cut, you know, hold for sound. That's never going to change no matter how big the budget is. Um, so it was actually a great learning experience to go through those things early on in my career because it's just a, what you, you, you shoot in a big city. You're going to have, if nothing else, you're going to have sound issues, let alone all the other stuff that happens on set. 11. Yes. Okay. What is your hardest role you ever, wait, you already read this one off. I do. I didn't yeah, yeah. James did, yeah. Yeah. I got so, what's so, the best and worst thing about voice acting in your experience? What was the best thing? The best yeah, and worst voice, thing about the, voice acting. Uh, uh, voice acting, you you rock up in board shorts and flip flops, and uh, you got your coffee in your hand, and you and you knock out the the voiceover work. Uh, the toughest thing is you don't have your body. I mean, you use your body, but it's not going to be on camera, so it is your voice. And, uh, and voices change. I, I think that's probably the toughest thing. People don't realize if you guys were to talk to me right now and you're recording this and then you talk to me four months from now at one o'clock in the morning or at seven o'clock at uh, uh, seven o'clock in the morning, my voice isn't going to sound the same. And that's not bad unless you're trying to match something. And uh, that's why for anybody who's who deals with sound, who's the listener, they, they know how difficult that is. If you don't get really good sound on the day, unless you got tons of money and just really great talent, it's hard to match that months later when you're either doing ADR or you're, you're doing voiceover to, to, uh, to, to match a scene because you had bad, bad audio or something like that. So for voiceover work, that's really difficult to try to match uh, maybe something that you did uh, a couple of months earlier. So this question might be uh, a little difficult to answer i don't know maybe but um this question is basically is there any future roles perhaps that you could talk about to get us interested and excited you know i mean that's the thing right now there's a couple of things that are moving and shaking but uh nothing where the even if contracts are are set it's it's not it's not happening until you're on until you're on set and you're hitting mm -hmm. your mark <laughs> there's a lot of things that that go through so right now it's just uh yeah, you, you go in and you do your auditions and then um, and then you move on. And, and if it starts to move forward, if, if those projects start to really gain ground, then uh, then you then you you tackle it, you go for it. So um, but I will say this Dead Space was such a it's so dear to my heart. I really had such a great time. So many great people worked on that uh, on, on that project and to, to meet the fans, to get a chance to see the merchandise, the toys. Uh, you know, and, and, and really, I think it's the fans. Uh, I'm not on social media right now. Uh, I haven't been for a while. So I apologize for a lot of the fans out there that were trying to get a hold of me. Matter of fact, I finally pulled the pin and just got my website going. It's gunnerwrite.com. So anybody can go to my website and just literally just contact me through there. But uh, I mean, there's nothing more validating than you get some kid in Russia who's like, hey, could uh, I send my game to you? and have you autograph it and send it back or God forbid you get some of these people that have been sick and they're not doing well and they get a loved one saying, Hey, can you do me a favor and just, you know, send me a, uh, an autograph headshot for my, my sister. She's, she's not doing great. It's like hands down that to me, that's why you do what you do. I mean, this is, this is why I'm not curing cancer over here. I'm not, you know, I'm not saving the world. Literally. It's like, I'm an actor and hopefully I can give someone some joy and give them, uh, a chance to to live some of these roles, you know, these 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 live in these worlds through me, and when you can do something like that and touch someone, and that's that's what it's all about. So yeah, if anybody's out there and they want to contact me or need to contact me for anything, just go to my website gunnerwrite.com, and you can just click on contact and uh, and fire off an email to me. Awesome. So I'm going to plug that in the video as well. But I have a side question, actually. You mentioned stuff about merchandise, like toys, all that stuff. When you were at EA, did you get any like swag or um, plasma guns to put on your wall? Or did you get anything cool out of that experience? I definitely got a few cool things, um, um, which was always great. But 
Yeah, I, I had sent uh, someone had sent um, one of the really nice high end uh, uh, Dead Space Three uh, Isaac Clarke snowsuit uh, characters with uh, the helmet, the, the different head, and it was so great. It's just you know, I always had this cliche we were always using to laugh. Of, hey, you know, you you know when you make it when you get a toy made after your your character, and um, and to be able to have that, and 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 they did such a great job with the articulation of this particular action figure. It was just so cool. So. You know, yeah, my nephew, Jet, he's got all that stuff. Like every, at least for that first year, like every birthday and Christmas, he was getting, you know, that Isaac Clark action figures and posters and stuff like that, which is, come on, man, we're all, we're all kids at the end of the day. And that was the fun, that was the fun aspect of, uh, of playing Isaac. I think all you need is the suit and you're pretty much good to go. <laughs> <laughs> Look, guys, tell, I'm telling you, I'll grow the beard. Uh, you know, I've already got the motorcycle boots that can work. Let's just go. Let's, let's, uh, let's roll camera. No, I mean, on a serious note, I think it's, I think it's perfect. I think they're marinating on the IP. I think that with technology changing and getting even better, that will hopefully bring the cost of production down so that if there's a new game or if there's, um, uh, uh, a movie script idea, I think that the, the more it's kind of sat on right now and letting, letting the time happen, it's going to just give them time to where they're not feeling prepped. The worst thing you want is, oh, my gosh, we need to do it right now. It's super hot. We need to have this thing shot, and we need to have it out in 2018. That's almost a kiss of death right there because you're, you're kind of doing it for the wrong reason. You know, When Iron Man came out, the reason why it was such a success because, is because it wasn't – well, numbers show that you know, audience members really want to see Iron Man. It was like, holy shit, we don't know if it's going to work, but this is what we got to work with, and let's take a risk and see if we can make this happen. And multiple careers have been launched because of it. So for anybody out there, you know, take your time, do it for the right reason, put your sweat, your heart, your passion into it, let that magic happen. And then from there, the toughest thing will just be to try to replicate it as you have success. It's always more difficult to to replicate that magic in a box, you know, the or magic in a bottle. It's like those things that you, you didn't expect to happen, whether it's on set or the audience just gravitated towards it and they loved it. And uh, to try to replicate that and do it again and again and again, man, that's that's a that's a real tough thing to do. So I'd love to see a new Dead Space game. I'd love to see a Dead Space movie, but. To be honest with you, I think it's great that those things have sat dormant. Um, and when they're ready to surface, if they're going to surface, trust me, it's going to be good. Oh, but, I, th um, I think we but, know. But, but definitely check out Martyr. I think that's a really cool, interesting concept. You know, not knowing what that would be. And I'm not saying anything that I, that I know anything. But if there was going to be a reboot or if there was ever going to be uh, a trajectory where there's kind of this prequel you want to check out Martyr because at least based off of what I know from the storyline, that's where a lot of it starts. And it's really interesting. It's a great read. And uh, I think for any fan of the Death Space franchise, you read Martyr and then you start playing the first one, the second one, and the third one. And you're like, oh my gosh, it, it really does fit directly in with how they discovered the marker and how this whole story started. So it's really cool. It's a cool idea to do. And uh, I, I think we know because if they do another Death Space game, then definitely we hope that Gunner Wright is there to be a part of the experience. I'd love to. I would be uh, uh, I'd be honored to do it. But, you know, it's it's again, it's their uh, it's their franchise and uh, it's their it's their baby. But uh, I'd love to see Isaac Clarke uh, live in that universe some more. And uh, I can tell you right now, it sure was a. A lot of fun to to do so and thank you guys out there for supporting the franchise and and um you know for supporting isaac clark and me and um yeah you can definitely hit me up on my website anytime uh to, to let me know what's going on and uh hopefully uh i can uh, be isaac clark again soon all right so gunner we actually have like one more short little question before we wrap off like outros so um this question is basically about any tips that you would recommend for expiring voice actors. I would just say record yourself with the iPhone, with the iPad, with 
the technology that's out there, just record yourself, play it back, play it for your friends, for your family. Uh, subjectively, you're not looking for major criticism. You're just looking for um, uh, for constructive criticism, but ideas because the, the, it's so good right now. I've auditioned basically with a lav and my iPhone, done the audio audition, sent that to my agent, and they sent it to casting. So it's good enough for a lot of those things, and it's a way to play. You can play it back. You can play with different creature ideas or just straight up. You being you, and you either write the scene or take take the dialogue from Dead Space or from a movie. That's a great way to do it. Take a scene that you love, try to transcribe it or get the the, the paper from it, and uh, that's what we used to do. You know, we used to me and my buddy used to sit around with an Indiana Jones script and you know play the characters and, and role play it. And you're just you're just messing around, but that's that's how it all starts. You know, that's that's how that's how we've all started. Is you're you're doing it because you love it and you want to try to feel what it's like uh, and, and understand it a little more and then you just keep at it and uh and it takes a lot of work i'm not going to say that it's easy work but uh sure is a lot of fun listen guys i got to jump on the motorcycle ahead of this meeting so um i, I hate to cut you off but uh i gotta be uh i gotta be somewhere at 3 30 is there anything else that uh, that you guys need Oh no! This this was uh we were going on outros, so um this was basically just like giving information to the fans about sure. where you can find us. Um, so you can just tell the people that you want to sort of be found at your website right now. Yeah, no worries. Um, listen, guys, thank you so much for supporting the Dead Space franchise and for for supporting Isaac Clark. Uh, it's been my pleasure to to be able to play that character. Uh, and feel free to uh, to contact me. Um, the best way to uh, to get to me is my website, uh, GunnerWright.com. And uh, I thank you guys again for for uh, all your support. No problem, Gunner. We're gonna let you go. Um, this was a great interview with you. You gave us a lot of insight. And once again, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it. Yes, man. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Thank See you man. later. All right, guys. Bye bye. See you later, Gunner. Catch you later. All right, so it's time to get to our outros. So, Mr. RK Magic, where can we find you, buddy? Uh, well, YouTube, Twitter, RK Magic 504, the usual stuff with you, um, vegans and whatnot. So, yeah. It's been a pleasure, though, talking to Gunnar White, though. It, it was very insightful. Yes, it was. Uh, Mr. James, where can we find you, buddy? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at DevHunterJames, Twitch.tv slash TheHeroJames, and, yeah, everywhere else. And Mr. Konecki, our backup recorder for tonight. Where can we find you, man? You can find me at Twitch, Twitter, and on YouTube. I'm the same name as Google Order. And yeah, this has been a very interesting podcast. All right. And you can find me on Twitter at RenOperative underscore. You can find me on YouTube at RenegadeOperative. Um, I will be trying to upload this tonight. Uh, and you can find Gunner on his website in the description below, which is GunnerWrite.com. Uh, this was a very great interview. And once again, if he gets on that Dead Space 4 hype, you definitely know we'll be there to play it. So this is Renegade Operative signing off with the TCP. See you guys next time. Later. Hoorah! Peace.